and we're back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking this out, even for the first time. So if you are a brand new listener, welcome. Thank you for listening. My name is John, and this is one of the ways I try to give something good to the world. This one, I I have no idea what number episode this is, but this one's got a great title. Don't lose your suki. I'm, I may not be pronouncing that exactly correctly, but I am going to go full nerd in this one. And because of it, it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be a good ride. I mean, if we be honest, if we are being honest, everyone is a nerd about something. And for me, it's words and ideas and concepts and sermons, which is really what this is. And so... I would like to give a a quick caveat up front, give a shout out to two people, and then we'll dive right in. So first off, this one is going to be a straight up sermon, but hopefully for those of you that just had an allergic reaction to knowing that this episode is going to be a sermon, stay with me for a bit because like I said, it's going to get beautiful and this is meant for everyone that could ever listen to it. So buckle in because we're going to go to some really interesting places and we're going to talk about some really fantastic things in this episode. But this one is a result of some conversations. One with a guy named Noah who is a classy dude. And then another, Sarah, who I just caught up with over breakfast. I don't know exactly how many people are listening to this. I have a rough estimate, and it's profound that even anyone will listen, but to those of you that I have some deep and meaningful conversations with, man, you guys make my week great every time I get a chance to meet up with some of you people. And it's only Wednesday. This is great. I'm going to meet up with some more people later, but let's get on with it. What we are going to do is talk about a single verse from the New Testament. And I understand some of you may be like, oh, I don't want to do that. But this is just amazing. So let's get into it, right? Don't lose your suki. You may not know (laughs) that last word is a Greek word. And I, I titled it this on purpose because... That word has got three or four levels of meaning, and everything that happens around it is just profound. So, in the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the biographies of the life of Jesus, we have a number of places where it's in red ink because it's been handed down through church history as being a paragraph or a phrase that Jesus himself said. It wasn't just recounting what happened. It was actually a quote. And so if you have a New Testament, you might see the inside, the pages have got a few words every so often they're in red. That's because we think these words handed down actually came from the mouth of Jesus. One of the most impacting passages of which Jesus talks or speaks and has been handed down throughout church history 
is in Matthew 16, where he talks about what does it mean to be a follower of him? And I think this is a question that a lot of people deal with, because right now in American history, we've got a plurality or a division about what is what does it mean to follow Jesus? And right now we're at a pivotal time because we need to re-engage not just the red ink, but also other parts and figure out what does it mean to live within this tradition? Yeah, that some people might call Christianity, but on a broader sense, what does it mean to follow the teachings of this man? And that's what this is going to be about. We're only going to read one verse, which is the best part. It's just two questions. You ready? In Matthew 16, Jesus, yes, he does tell what does it mean to be a disciple, but he says this phrase that is just incredible. You ready? What good will it be for anyone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? That's it. We're just going to talk about those two questions that make up verse 26. So we're going to break it down. Buckle in because you may notice this is where I go full nerd, but this is also where some of the beautiful depth comes out. You ready? This is going to be good. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? First off, the word world, guess what? It doesn't mean world. And yes, it does, but I mean, it's far larger than that. The word is cosmos. So what does it mean to gain the whole cosmos yet forfeit your soul? The, the scope of this is far larger than just the world. It is what does it gain you to gain everything in the known universe? I mean, this is everything yet forfeit your soul. Now there's another angle for the word for world. It also means organized universe. What good does it have for you to have an organized universe and yet forfeit your soul? What does it mean for you and I and everyone else to have finally, get this, organized their life in the way that they want it and all of the the framework and all of the the lines have been drawn what good does it for you to have your entire world to be organized exactly how you want it that's quite egocentric isn't it yet forfeit your soul now the word for forfeit doesn't really just mean to lose or to give up it, it may mean to destroy I think that there's something within the human experience where we all want our lives to go exactly how we want it to. And in order for that to happen, we've got to impose on the world around us our agenda for how it should run, for how people should act, for how people should relate to us. But that in some way is kind of like making ourselves into a deity or a god. So let's rephrase the first question. What good does it do you or I 
to forcibly structure our world around us yet destroy our very soul. Now that starts to sing and resonate a little differently, right? Maybe I read that verse at the very beginning and you thought, "Uh, I've heard this before. But this paraphrase I'm giving you right now, what good does it do for any of us to impose our structure and our lines and rules on the world around us yet destroy our soul? You may very well know people Maybe within your own family, but I mean, you can look at the history books of the world and you can see that there have been tyrants and egomaniacs that lost their soul because they imposed their their agenda on the world around them and no one wanted to be around them and they ended up being horrible people. They say that in the human experience, We all have got a tendency to strive after, get this, ready? Control or power, influence, affluence, money, or affirmation. Every single one of us have got a tendency. Until we learn how to overcome it, a lot of us are dominated by the desire to increase the amount of control we have on the world around us influence the amount of money that we have in order to organize our world as much as we want it to be organized. And then some of us are just completely dominated by a need for affirmation. We're chasing after gaining the whole world. And yet in the midst, we're losing the very thing at the core of it all. So that's just the first question of the verse. We're going to get to the second one. Ready? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So here we go. We we redefined uh, cosmos, which some places translate as world, as cosmos or organized universe. We understand that forfeit may mean to destroy, but here's the, the bulk of all this. Suki is the word that we have for soul. If you were going to spell this from Greek and into English, like I told you, I'm going full nerd. It's going to be spelled uh, P-S-U-C-H-E, Suki. I may be mispronouncing that. Forgive me. <laughs> oh, well. Most Bibles, and if you were to look at a New Testament, most people would translate this as soul. But soul is, uh, it's an odd word sometimes. We don't quite use it in common vernacular today. It's not quite really a part of our vocabulary for defining reality or metaphysics. So we're going to have to understand this word a little differently. The word suki, which often means soul, also means breath. Now, in some instances, this may mean what good does it do you or I to gain the whole world yet lose our breath, to to die because of our pursuit of trying to organize our world around us, around us, you know? 
But the word suki is also where we start to get the word psychology from. So what if we understood soul as if it had to do with, I mean, yes, our mind, but like our, our consciousness, our, our way of our inner reality. What good does it do us to gain the whole world yet lose our mind? To go crazy. You may very well know people that, <laughs> yeah, they may have died of their pursuit of trying to gain the whole world or they're destroying themselves, but you may also know people that seem like, my goodness, they're just going crazy in their pursuit of control or power or affluence or influence or affirmation. You may know people that are going crazy because they're trying to impose their agenda on the world around them. Yeah, that might even be you. That might even be me on my bad days. I might go a little crazy trying to impose my sense of order on the world around me. But here's where it gets the most striking. The word suki, which yes, most places will translate that as soul. It can also mean breath. It, it might also mean mind, or you know, how we got to the sense of psychology. You can go crazy trying to gain the whole world. But in ancient Greek, suki was the word for butterfly. What does it mean to gain the whole world yet lose your butterfly? Now, you might think that sounds ridiculous, but I think it's poetic and it might actually be an important word to understand all of this through. You've, let's be honest, you've seen this before. Can you think of a movie or a book where people in the, in the movie or book, maybe they passed away and they were a major character and then another major character is out in the field and they see a butterfly pass by. And it's almost like it's some divine affirmation that don't worry. They're fine. The, the loved one who has moved on, their butterfly is still intact. They are still well. And so, I mean, I've certainly seen movies where that scene has happened. And in fact, we've even uncovered ancient Greek statues where the person had passed away yet next to the statue or a part of it somebody had chiseled a butterfly as if to say like their soul is still good it's still there it's still present and the more i think about it the more i think butterfly is a beautiful image yes it's poetic but i mean it might be a good symbol for that part of you that is, that's tender and that's beautiful. That part of you that's meant to transform into something more and more gorgeous to behold. You know, it's, it's the part of you that's supposed to continually unfold and then and blossom into something that others can appreciate or or marvel at don't lose your butterfly that 
that soft thing, that that part of you that if you if you held it in your hand, you could easily crush it. I think that there's something really profound in this passage. What good does it do for you or I to have an organized universe all around ourselves to gain control and influence and affluence and power and affirmation yet in the midst of all of it crush that most beautiful part of us that in some ways feels like it can't be brought back which it can be brought back and the way that our butterfly can come back our soul can come back our breath our sense of soul It's when we lose control. It's when we give up the pursuit of influence, the pursuit of endless chasing after affluence or endlessly chasing after affirmation. The whole world tells us that those are the most important things. But in this same paragraph, in red ink, what it means to follow Jesus is (laughs) whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. The whole world around us is telling us what kind of life we should be chasing after. And Jesus comes and tells us that's not the life to chase after. If you chase after the life that everyone else tells you you should have of endlessly getting more and more control, power, influence, affluence, and affirmation, you are going to lose yourself. You're going to lose your breath. You'll die from this pursuit. You're going to lose your soul. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose, in poetic terms, your butterfly. And so, if you want to maintain your suki, protect it. It's a beautiful thing and it's a gift. So fight to keep your beautiful tenderness. And it may feel odd. It's like a paradox. When Jesus says this, if you lose the life that everyone else tells you you should have, you'll actually be gaining your life back. You see, this this passage if you're listening still and you've always had a bad reaction to sermons, I can understand. Sometimes people preach the Bible in such a way that it's abusive or that it's intolerant or that it's it's taught in such a way that it doesn't relate or or resonate with anyone. But this right here is one of those passages where if you go full nerd, you see that this isn't just about um being religious. This passage This passage is actually very much about what does it mean to live well, to be fully human. As Karl Barth would say, one of my favorite influences, he would say, to live this out means that you are finally living into the royal humanity that always should have been and of which Jesus was the first. In some sense, Jesus was like the Adam that that always should have been, 
He lived his royal humanity well. And because he did it and exemplified it, we have not only the hope, but also the ability to follow this rabbi in our own unique way and therefore live into our own beautiful and unique and tender royal humanity. This is it. <laughs> I, I went full nerd and I think this is, I think we're done, but give this one to someone else that you know. Share this one with other people that maybe could use this type of a sermon. Because right now we are at a time in human history where we need to reclaim Jesus. We need to reclaim the teachings of this first century traveling Jewish rabbi who radically changed the way everyone understood God and spirit and humanity and what does it mean to live with grace and love and a soul. So let's finish with a benediction. Are you ready? (laughs) May you, the listener, give up your pursuit of control and power and affluence and influence and affirmation. May you live into this paradox that when you lose chasing that life, you're, you're actually gaining your life. May you come to find that it is a beautiful gift to have a soul. And may you have the grit and the determination to fight and keep your soul beautiful and tender. And may you help restore other people to having their butterfly back again. What good does it do us to gain the whole world yet forfeit our soul? Or what can we give in exchange for our soul? May you take what you have as a gift and not give it up for anything. May grace and peace and love be with you every step of your journey.